Hello, and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. Good morning. All right, so during the Advent season, we light candles each week to draw our attention back to the lessons of Advent. Last week, we lit the candle of hope, reminding us of our hope in the one to come. Sounds fair. It's, it's harder than it looks. All right. And today we light the candle of joy. We light the candle of joy as a reminder that Jesus Christ alone is the way to unimaginable and everlasting joy. We remember God's promise that through Jesus all sorrow and sadness will cease. The candle of joy reminds us of our need for a Savior to rescue us from the darkness within us so that the birth of Jesus is good news of great joy for all people. That's my favorite part. Because it's so seldom in, in the history of man that there's news that's good for every single one of us. You know, you win a ball game that somebody lost. You get the job. Somebody, how many people didn't get the job? Um, that's, that's my favorite part. Good news of great joy for all people. And so in a world that finds pleasure in the abundance of things and offers an abundance of escapes from our pain, we're called back to the stable where we find our true joy in Jesus who will return for us. So we'll have two scripture readings today. The first one comes from Titus 3, verses 4 through 7. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love... He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading comes from Luke 2, 8 through 14. And that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people, the Savior, Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined with a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. This is the gospel of Christ. All right, let us pray. Loving God, 
All of creation rejoices for you, for it is with you who hung the stars and you who made our beating hearts. So as we anticipate the birth of your son, fill our hearts not only with hope, which we so desperately need, but also with joy. For when the nights feel too long and the darkness too strong, your joy lights the way for us. In your holy name, we gratefully pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Um, all right. Chad stole my thunder announcing the must-have gifts thing, but I'm so fired up about that. I can't believe we're halfway to the biggest one, so way to go. That was just in one week. In one week, we got that much toward uh, what has been our biggest goal of must-have gifts since the beginning of our church. So way to go. You deserve an applause. Um, This morning, we are going to talk about joy. And if it's okay, I I want to pray one more time because I need it. So (laughs) let's pray. Uh, Father, uh, we thank you for being with us and for us. And so I just pray uh, in these next few moments that you would um, bring your spirit of healing and your spirit of hope and your spirit of joy to um, envelop us. I pray that we would wake up uh, to the things that you're doing in our world, but also the things that you're doing in us to your presence uh, that reminds us that that we don't live just in despair. We don't live as hopeless. We live with joy. And so I just uh, thank you. I thank you for this room. I thank you for these people. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, so uh, Chad often will joke that I take all of the happy sermons and then I give him all of the sad sermons. And so I do need to own that a couple, Chad was supposed to preach this sermon and I switched with him a couple of weeks ago because uh, I wanted to do joy. Um, but if I'm really, really honest with you, uh, writing a sermon on joy is actually sort of tough for me. Like joy in concept is not tough for me. If you've met me, I think I was actually born with a confetti gun in my hand. Uh, so joy is a concept. I get, um, but the older I get and the more I experience, I don't know what your week was like, uh, but for me, anytime I preach on joy the week before, uh, I'm really fighting pretty hard for it, and so um, I, I guess the more I experience, the more, I don't even know the right word, like flippant uh, or shallow writing a sermon on joy can kind of feel, because uh, life is tough. Uh, I was texting two friends yesterday. I was reading through uh, uh, my sermon notes. I'm texting two friends at the same time. One, both of whom are grieving. One uh, lost a friend from high school. Uh, The other was grieving um, the the loss of a relationship. It was someone uh, she trusted and um, put a lot of respect and trust into, and then he turned out not to be who she thought he was. And and I'm grieving, or I'm texting with these two women who are grieving, and I just was like, oh, joy is tough. It's tough to talk about. Uh, I read about it in an article this week uh, that talked about this very thing, how joy in the story of Advent can feel kind of shallow or feel a little bit uh, frivolous. And the author said this. uh, They said that in the face of all the suffering in the world, sometimes joy feels like a luxury. Anybody else? Sometimes it feels like a luxury. But here's the crazy thing. Joy uh, maybe to us sometimes feels like a luxury or feels maybe religiously shallow. I felt that. I don't know if you have. Uh, But that really isn't how the scriptures talk about joy. Uh, The Bible talks about joy as an integral part of following Jesus. Uh, In the scriptures, joy, it isn't a luxury. Joy is a birthright. It isn't frivolous or shallow. It's eternal. 
from beginning to end, in the, in the book of Job, chapter 38, at the, um, sort of toward the beginning of the Bible, God tells Job that when he laid the foundations of the earth, the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy. Meaning, uh, as far as we can go back to uh, there being memories on the earth, there is joy. And then, uh, in, in, in the, the story that Amy read today, we have angels singing for joy at the announcement of the birth of Jesus. Uh, and then at the end, in, the, in Revelation, at the very end of the Bible, the whole world, it ends uh, with a wedding feast where everyone sings for joy to Jesus who has put the world back to right. Which is to say, as far as we can see into the future, there is joy it seems that in the story of Jesus, the uh, beginning and the middle and the end, they all include joy. So why does it feel so frivolous to us or so luxurious uh, to us uh, to talk about or to claim the very thing that we were meant to have uh, since the very beginning? Um, I have a theory. I have a theory of why it's so hard. And um, it's sort of funny. As I was looking back on uh, past sermons on joy, I tell you the same theory every time. And I died laughing reading them because I was like, how many times do I have to preach something before I understand it? Not yet. We're learning on the spot. Chad told you. Here's the peek behind the curtain. I'm learning in the moment. Here's my theory. Um, uh, I think maybe joy feels kind of shallow in the face of suffering because we don't really know what it is. We don't really know what it is. Joy, uh, it's kind of like a wild horse. It's, it's hard to catch, and it's even harder to pin down once you have. Uh, we try with words like happiness and delight and pleasure. And joy, it's all of those things, happiness and delight and pleasure, but yet not just those things. We don't really uh, have words for the word. Uh, in the past, the way I've described this is... Um, I compared a filet of fish from McDonald's to wild-caught sturgeon from Blackberry Farm. But I'm not going to use that example today for two reasons. One, I think I've been a little hard on the filet of fish over the years. And two, and this is the main one, because whenever I talk about it, you guys all go to McDonald's and you all send me pictures of fish sandwiches all day long. And so in order to not have a gross phone today, I'm going to use a different example. Um, uh, the difference in happiness or pleasure or delight uh, and joy is similar to me for the difference in an egg sandwich versus uh, the Chinatown egg and cheese sando. Uh, here's what I mean. I love egg sandwiches. Anyone else? Okay, if you love eggs, I think you love egg sandwiches. If you hate eggs, I'm so sorry. And you're missing out. It's delicious. Uh, egg sandwiches are wonderful. They're just sort of staples. It's the easy, like, if I don't know what we're having for dinner, we're either eating cereal or we're having egg sandwiches. Um, here's why. Because egg sandwiches are good even when they're bad. Right? They just are. You can eat one whenever. They're good for breakfast, lunch, good, dinner, good. It's good all the way, right? Uh, Daniel makes them, or he makes a toad in a hole or like a frog in a basket. I don't know what you call it in your... Uh, culture, but it's a total hole in our house, and um, he, uh, it, I, it's a sandwich because it's bread and eggs, and it's so, so good. Uh, they're cheap, they're reliable, they're available. I am always glad for a homemade egg sandwich, always. But then there is the Chinatown egg and cheese sando, and that is a different thing. You can Google it on your phone right now. I will not get mad at you. It comes from a place called the Golden Diner, uh, which is right under the Manhattan Bridge in New York. Um, and this is for you foodies. The restaurant was nominated for a James Beard Award its first year of being open. This place is awesome. It's a diner, too. This doesn't happen. Um, 
Uh, and it's, it's so good. The, the chef is named Sam Yu, again for you foodies. He trained uh, at Momofuku under David Chang. He's brilliant. Anyway, so he, let me just describe this sandwich to you. He starts, uh, again, you can look at the picture. It's great. Okay, he starts with a scallion milk bun that had been made probably the morning of by a sweet old lady in Chinatown. The bun is perfect. Uh, then the egg is cooked perfect. And then there's cheese, and it's just the right amount, not too much. Uh, then there's like thick cut, perfectly cooked bacon if you want it. And then they place this square patty of like crispy potato, which, you know, like people claim crispy potatoes. These are actually crispy potatoes. And then they put it on this sandwich. It's so, is anyone else hungry? <laughs> it's so good. Golden Diner, the restaurant, um, it opened just right before COVID happened, and so it struggled a lot during COVID as a brand new restaurant. And then when they finally reopened again, they had a fire in their kitchen. And y'all, I watched this like waiting on the birth of a child. Like, is it going to stay open? Because I really want one of those sandwiches again. Like, I probably should care for the people and their jobs, but I'm like, am I going to get a sandwich? Um, I was <laughs> checking his GoFundMe all the time. Um, so listen, Daniel's Toad in a Hole, it is so good. It's great. But a James Beard-nominated sando made out of dreams put on a milk bun? It's a whole other deal. As good as a breakfast sandwich is at my house, I would take uh, one Chinatown egg and cheese sando to 12 breakfast sandwiches anywhere else. Uh, C.S. Lewis says something similar about joy. He says that upon truly experiencing joy, he would take it over pleasure 12 times to one. In fact, he goes on to say that the only thing that happiness and pleasure share with joy is that once you've experienced them, you will want them again and again and again, kind of like an egg sandwich. Uh, but joy, it's hard to define. It's somehow deeper and wider and richer than pleasure or deeper and wider and richer than delight or happiness. Uh, Eugene Peterson calls joy the reaction within us to the abundance of God. The reaction within us to the abundance of God is the way our souls respond to God's fullness overflowing into our lives. Uh, we played quite a bit with words last week. I like playing with words, so we're going to do this um, a little bit here. Um, if you've been here for a while, this won't be unfamiliar to you, but I just I love this so much. If you go back to the original language, uh, the Greek word for joy is kara, but kara comes from a root word, charis, and charis is the word for grace. So in language, joy is quite literally derived from grace. I think that's true in practice, too. Joy derived from grace. The origin of joy is grace. Uh, uh, there are tons of Bible dictionaries that define joy as grace recognized, grace spotted, grace seen, grace appreciated. I love that. There's happiness and there's pleasure and, then there, and there's delight. And then there's something else entirely, something that encompasses all of those things and yet is still more. It's grace recognized. It's our text that Amy read from Titus. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior because of his grace. He made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Joy. 
In the message version, it says, Jesus poured out new life so generously. He restored our relationship with God, and he gave us back our lives. Grace recognized in the generous restoration and repair of our relationship to God and our lives being handed back to us, covered in that relationship with God, covered in the abundance and the generosity of God. This isn't luxury, and this isn't frivolous. It is awareness and recognition and gratitude. It is birthed from grace and it is grown in hope. It's risky and active and full of waiting. If uh, joy is in part abundance, then there must be room for all of our life to exist within it. Happiness and delight and pleasure, they come in moments, they come in fits and starts, and they're wonderful. But joy is a reaction to God's abundance and a recognition of his grace always over our life. It, it must mean that joy then is steady and makes room for all of the experiences of our life, not just the good parts of it. Uh, Thomas Merton, who was a Trappist monk that I like to read, and he says that the difference between joy and happiness is suffering. You, you heard it, right? <laughs> the difference between joy and happiness is suffering. Here's what he says. He says, the difference between shallow happiness is a deep, and a deep sustaining joy is sorrow. Happiness lives where sorrow is not. When sorrow arrives, happiness dies. It can't stand pain. Joy, on the other hand, rises from sorrow and therefore can withstand all grief. Joy, it isn't luxury. It is what rises from sorrow and withstands our grief. Uh, in John 16, Jesus says that our griefs will be enveloped by joy. And he describes it like a mother in the pain of child of labor whose anguish is enveloped by joy as she holds her newborn. She holds her newborn. The pain hasn't gone away, but the pain and the delight exist together. In that moment, they exist together. Joy, it sustains us by making room for and withstanding all of the experiences of our lives, the good and the bad and all of it. Joy, it doesn't run from sorrow, it envelops it. It rises within it. And as I was thinking about this idea this week uh, that, that I like needed to be true, I needed joy to envelop everything. I have friends that are sick and friends that are hurting and I, I just, I needed this. And as I was thinking about it this week, I kept um, thinking about this story. And honestly, it is a very silly story that no preacher has any business telling. But I couldn't stop thinking about it, and that's never stopped me before. So um, here it is. Uh, <laughs> when my boys were really young, I think maybe three, uh, I have twins that are 14 now, and, and they were three-year-olds, I think, at the time. Um, and we were eating breakfast at Chick-fil-A around this time of the year. And while we were standing in line ordering our breakfast, um, I saw a woman wearing a very lovely Christmas sweater vest. Like, I, I can't remember. I think it had bells on it. It had lots of accoutrement. And it was just lovely. And I have mad respect for someone non-ironically wearing a Christmas sweater vest. You know, what we've done with sweater vests, we've turned them into parties. Um, but she was wearing her party, and it was lovely. And, and so, anyway, we, we get our food, and we go, and we sit down in a booth. And, um, and, and we're sitting where I can see her and her husband's booth. So I'm looking at my kids, and their back is to the lady's back. You with me? Okay, so we're sitting there like this, and we're just enjoying our time. And I look up to notice that one of my children has their finger at least one knuckle, if not two knuckles deep, picking their nose. 
And that's just part of being a kid, you know. And it's like maybe you were like, don't pick your nose. But I was like, if you got to, you know. And so, <laughs> so he picks his nose. And, and then he removes what is not a small booger from his nose. And I told you this was a terrible, I'm so sorry, Mom. Um, this is a very silly story. He removes this from his nose, and I, and I go to try to find a napkin to help him out. And when I look up, he has turned around to this lovely sweater vest and just, doop, just, just wiped it right there. Just left it there on the sweater vest. And then he went back to his food like a monster, <laughs> you know, um, and I'm left in a bit of a pickle as the mom. What do you do? Do you tell her? It, there's lots of head shaking. No. Do you tell her? Or do you just leave it there? Or I kept trying to think of some reason why I needed to, like, reach across the table and wipe her vest. Like, oh, I love the bells or, you know, something. Um, I don't know if I made the right call, but I left it. <laughs> I figured it would fall off. I don't know. Um, I left it there. And I'll be honest, that booger stared at me the whole meal. And I laughed the whole meal. It was funny every time I looked at it. The booger was a source of great delight in my day. It was like the booger of joy or something. I don't know. Here's why I'm telling this absurd story. Um, because the joy that I had that day, that delight and joy uh, that day that I had in that ridiculous story that I had then that I have today is because of a story that's bigger than a booger and bigger than a vest with bells on it. Um, you see, in order to get to that day uh, in Chick-fil-A with my toddler boys, it requires that you know the story of their first few months. It's the story of little boys who were born nine weeks early and who lived in the NICU for the first couple of months of their lives. It's the story of me sitting in classes and conversations with doctors and nurses and development specialists who very kindly and very graciously mapped out the reality that plenty of NICU babies uh, struggle with things that other babies don't quite struggle with in the same way. Things like hand-eye coordination and fine motor skills and critical thinking and chewing and swallowing and a whole list of things. And so not only was this moment hilarious, it was also in some weird and gross way the fullness of something that I was afraid might never come. Uh, this may be a stretch, but with a lot of hand-eye coordination and excellent motor skills um, and, and critical thinking and chewing, as well. I mean, all of these things that, that my child critically decided that the best place for his booger was on the back of the lady behind him. And then he went back to eating his nuggets. It was a way bigger story. I, I don't know about you. I, I love delight. I love pleasure. I love laughter. I love happiness. But I need more than they can give me on their own. I need something that can withstand pain. I need something that can rise from sorrow. I need joy, not to uh, numb my suffering, but to envelop it. Psalm 98 talks about a mother bird, God as a mother bird with uh, God's wings over us. That's what I need. I need something to not numb me, but envelop me. I need joy to take my struggle and my sorrow and my suffering and transform it into endurance. And then endurance into strength of character and character into hope that Romans 5 tells us will not disappoint because God has, through his Holy Spirit, poured out the abundance of his love into our hearts. So how do we get it? Joy. Well, it's not something that we can muster or grab or demand. It came to the shepherds like Amy read to us. It came to the shepherds and they were just standing in the field 
watching the sheep at night, doing their job. It was something that came to them, not something that they mustered up. And I can't find a single example anywhere in the scriptures where it works any way different than that. Joy is something that happens to us. Frederick Buechner calls joy a great mystery because it can happen, he says, anywhere, anytime, even under the most unpromising circumstances, like shepherds in a field. Even in the midst of suffering with tears in its eyes, probably like Mary with labor pains. The only way that I can find to get joy in any sort of biblical sense is to notice it. To turn ourselves, to turn our eyes, our hearts, our lives toward the abundance of God and recognize the grace that has covered our lives everywhere. And so uh, that's, that's what I want us to do in our last few minutes today. I want to take, we, every single week at the Vineyard, we have this rhythm that we call, call Selah. And it's just like a quiet pause, a quiet moment where we reflect. And I just want to take an extra long one today um, and allow you uh, to do this. Um, I want to invite you to uh, take two like figurative steps back in your mind on your life today. Uh, this is like, if there's anything we talk about here very often, this is one of our things, is that I think that part of what the Spirit does in us is teaches us how to take a couple steps back and look at a wider view of our lives. And so that's what I want to do uh, today. I want to invite the Holy Spirit to show us, each individually, the abundance of God in our lives so that we might experience the joy of His grace recognized in us. And I think he'll do it. I think if we ask uh, and we dare to open ourselves up to us, he will show us what, what might uh, normally be tough to see. So here's what I'm going to do. Daniel's going to play, and we, Daniel, the excellent egg-making sandwicher, will play. Um, and then I, I want to pray for us and just kind of bless this time, and then we're just going to sit. I think there will be some scriptures on the screen, and we're just going to sit in the quiet for just a little while. If you feel uncomfortable, so does everyone else. We'll do it together. So, Okay. So, uh, Holy Spirit, we invite you. We uh, believe that you're here. And so we ask you to help us wake up to your presence here. And I just pray that in these few moments, will you allow us the joy of recognizing your grace? I pray that you will bring stories to mind, absurd ones, like a booger or a sandwich or whatever it is, stories to mind uh, where we found joy, places of delight or pleasure or happiness that tell a story maybe even bigger than what's on the surface. Will you remind us of places where right in the middle of whatever we were suffering, you were there, the places where uh, you withstood our grief through joy, where you rose from our sorrow with joy where you allowed us to do the same. And so we just ask in these minutes, will you, I don't know, like a movie or a camera reel or whatever, will you just allow us the joy of replaying through the places that you've been with us? Maybe over the last couple of days or last couple of months or weeks, years, whatever it looks like. We invite you here. In your name we pray, amen.